Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Tonight we have a bonus segment I'll get to the format in just a minute. I am not alone tonight. I will not be talking to myself for 20 to 30 minutes. We have Doug James with us, who does the Thursday show on the YouTube channel, which is the whole YouTube venture is kind of a work in progress. But Doug does the Red Sox top five deep dives with Charlie Smith, who everyone is familiar with. First episode was launched last Thursday, and you can find them every Thursday morning uh, for your commute, for your office, uh, what have you. But, Doug, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Terry? Not too bad. First time on the on the big show. <laughs> Exciting. The regular <laughs> show, yeah. So we have a kind of a unique format. It's called... I'm calling the cops or totally legit. So as we go through the topics, I'm going to read it out and I'm going to read it out kind of in the form of a statement. And, and just like I said, you're either, if you disagree with it, you're calling the cops. If you agree with it, it's totally legit. And we're going to we're going to kind of break each one down. We have eight of them, so hopefully we won't run too long. I can cut one or two out if uh, if it does go too long. But uh, we'll just kind of get right into it. And this is going to be fun for the audience. And if you guys like it, give us some feedback because I wouldn't be opposed to doing it every third or fourth week or so uh, in between the regular shows. So, so number one. Max Scherzer will be pitching for the Boston Red Sox this August. Me first? <laughs> yep. I'm calling the cops on that one. <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound like a high bloom move to me. After building up the system like he's been trying to do, I don't think he's going to give up any prospects to get a couple months out of Max Scherzer, who then in return probably going to have to pay him quite a bit of money on top of that in the off season. It just doesn't seem like a move that he would make to me. I don't really believe starting pitching is a huge issue at this point. And I feel like there's going to be other positions that need to be addressed more than a starting pitcher. And especially one that will probably cost as much as much as Max Scherzer will, will cost and with prospect. Yeah. You know, we're kind of in uncharted waters with what, a package like that would be because the game's gone through so much and the dynamics are different. And I think prospects are more valuable. We were talking before the show, how, how the Indians got very little for Francisco Lindor and he's a position player. And obviously Scherzer's a pitcher. So they're both going to help teams in different ways, but I'm with you. I'm kind of, I would call the cops on that one. I, it's hard to imagine a scenario where where we would be able to fit a guy like Scherzer in. We're trying to fit Tanner Houkin, and we can't right now. Exactly. Erod scuffled tonight in Texas, and Perez, Evaldi, they're grinding, but they're not pitching terribly. And we're still trying to figure out what the hell we have with Pavetta and Richards. And I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that one of them will work out, but how much more is Scherzer going to help you? He's a name. It would be exciting for the fan base. It would be a big move, but um, like you said, there's probably other needs and we are going to be getting Chris sale back with a fully rebuilt elbow. So, if you're gearing up for the playoffs, you got Sale going game one. Bold assumption. Yeah. You got Erod, who seems to be a big game pitcher in a small sample size. 
And then I really think Tanner Houck is going to be a stud. That's a great one, two, three. And then for your fourth guy, because you only need four in the playoffs because of the built-in off days, you've got Nathan Avoldi, Martin Perez, Nick Pavetta, and Garrett Richards to figure out who that fourth guy is. And you've got to get one, you know, get one of them in there. And so chance, you feel like one of them will do the job. Yeah. In the month of September, one of them is going to be the hot hand that wins the spot. Exactly. You, you go back to 2018. I remember in the days leading up to the playoffs, it was pretty open to interpretation who who was going to be your like game three starter or whatever. And we didn't know if it'd be Porcello or, or Evoldi. It was, it was the Yankees series. And yep. Evoldi just kind of emerged. And then they put put him in against Houston. And that was kind of a tightrope start. He just he walked the tightrope and, and got it done. And then, of course, the the epic uh, extra innings the performance. Heroics. Yeah. yeah. The heroics against the Dodgers. Too bad that didn't work out. But but Evoldi became the hot hand, so I, I think they would find that uh, in those remaining four pitchers. So hard to, as fun as it would be to have Max Scherzer in a Red Sox uniform, can't see it. It would be an absolute blast to see Max Scherzer at Fenway Park in a Red Sox uniform. I would love it. Yeah. Um, I would love every second of it. It just doesn't seem like to me that would be a move that we would make as much as I would really enjoy it. But just being realistic, I don't see it. And like you said, Tanner Houck, I have high hopes for Houck. I love Houck. Um, I wish he was up now, but you know, it is what it is. But hopefully down the next couple months, we'll we'll see a nice, healthy sample size of Tanner Houck because I think he's going to be a stud. I absolutely do as well. And, and one final thought about Scherzer. He is, just had it, uh, he's going to be 37 by the time the playoffs do happen. And even though he hasn't been very injury prone over the course of his career, it's perfectly fair to have a degree of skepticism on how a 37-year-old's gonna gonna be pitching by the time October rolls around. And you go back just a couple years ago in the, the Astros playoff run, it just it looked like Verlander just kind of ran out of gas in in those last uh couple appearances. So so that's uh something to consider when going after a guy like Scherzer. Number two on the docket, Mookie Betts has hit only two home runs in 2021 so far. That puts him on pace to hit only 12 this year. Is he going to hit more than that? Absolutely. But as, so, yeah. as of right now, it, it is 12. The, that's the pace. It's arguably the worst start to a season in his career. Will his $365 million 12-year contract hurt the Dodgers? Will it, will it haunt them, actually? is That one, I will say, is totally legit. I'm a big fan of Mookie Betts. Um, I think he's one of the top three players in the entire league. I'm also not in favor of giving anybody 12 years and $365 million. Um I was I, I was I understood the trade again. I was upset because I love Mookie, but I understood it. I wasn't paying him that much money. You also have a lot of mouths to feed for the future. You got to get Sager done. You got to get Bueller at some point done. And it's just too many guys there. And I don't believe for twelve years three sixty five was was really worth it for them. Eventually, Bauer could opt out, and you're going to have to re up Bauer if he wants to stay. And it's just going to. I understand their payroll is you know it's it's pretty deep. But at some point, you've got to pay some other guys, and it's just going to be tough to do that. Like you said, the slow start, I think he's going to be fine. Um, I think he's going to hit more than 12. I think he'll probably be in the 25 to 30 when it's all said and done. And in the playoffs, he, for some reason, the playoffs, he just doesn't show up. And it's just that it's bothering me. It bothers me. It bothered me in 2018. Like when he was up there at the plate, you're like, well, he's not going to get a hit. <laughs> And he didn't. He got that one home run against the Dodgers in the World Series. Obviously, it was important. But other than that, he didn't do a whole lot in the playoffs. Yeah. So, for me, I will say that's totally legit. 
the Red Sox were ahead in that final game when he did hit it. And I'm not saying we didn't need the insurance runs because we did, but it was a lower pressure situation. I'm actually going to call the cops on that one. And, and it has to do a lot with his playoff performances. Like that's a big thing for me. And to get a guy like Alex Verdugo back in that deal, who's not going to have the regular seasons Mookie will have, but I think he's going to have the flair for the dramatic under the bright October lights. I, I think that's going to be a bit of a problem for the Dodgers and Mookie should be fine. I think he's what 29 right now. He'll be fine through his age 33, 34 season, a top player in the league after that. Are they getting a guy that broke down like Shane Victorino did? Or or is Mookie going to be more of the Tory Hunter mold where he's just in fantastic shape and just going to play very well uh, in, into his late 30s? It just kind of remains to be seen. I do have a degree of skepticism there. And then, like I said, with the... Um, the October lack of performance. I just feel like I feel like they're going to hate that contract uh, after a while. Interesting. I agree. And or go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What's no, what? I agree with you. It, I'm just not a fan of giving out those kind of deals. I, I just twelve years, three sixty five. It just it skeezes me out to be paying him that much for that long, and especially a guy that relies on his speed a little bit. Especially you know how great outfielder he is. When that diminishes, you know, is he going to lose his bat speed down the road too? And it's just, I don't know. It's just a contract that I'm not in love with, and I wasn't in love with the idea of the Red Sox giving him that, and which is why I understood the the deal that they made. And like you said about Verdugo, I feel like Verdugo come playoff time when he's in it is just going to be a, a huge impact player. He just has that look. He has that feel. I just, in the playoffs, I trust Verdugo. And I know I haven't seen him in the playoffs yet, but I just have that feeling he's going to be great come postseason. Yeah, I just realized I uh, I got my answer backwards. I because uh, I worded it, it will haunt the Dodgers, and uh, that's totally legit. Um, so you agree with me? I do. Yeah, I okay. do. So we are on the same page. I screwed up my own format two questions in. Um, it's <laughs> interesting. Before we do move on, I'll I'll uh, I'll clean it up from here out. Rough inning for me, uh, but. It's, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's interesting you, you feel that they're gonna that they're gonna extend Seeger because I think they're gonna focus more on Bellinger out of the two. And I think we can both I agree on Bellinger. Yeah. We we can both agree on Bueller. He's gonna be a, a high priority. Uh and probably you gotta get him signed. Yeah. You gotta get him signed. Uh, I actually forgot all about Bellinger Bellinger too. I wasn't even thinking about uh, Cody Bellinger's contract, but yeah, I don't know if Sager's a huge priority for them, but I'm a, I'm a Steger guy. I really like Corey Steger a lot. Um, but maybe the Dodgers don't feel they really need to re-sign him. But I like him. I like him as a player for sure. Um, but there's there's durability issues there, and I just think Gavin Lux is the the. Uh, shortstop of the future there, but I could be yeah. wrong. And, and Bellinger is injured right now. He's got a, uh, a, a leg fracture that he's fracture working through. Yeah. 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 So, so it, it remains to be seen, but they, uh, they don't seem to be too worried about the luxury tax. So yeah, they don't really care all that much down there in LA. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Number three out of eight, Hunter Renfro will be playing right field for the Cleveland Indians this summer. <laughs> and let me just say this. <laughs> I mentioned the Indians, but the the gist of it is he's going to be somebody else's outfielder uh, this summer. So are you calling the I'm cops? Call the cop. You are calling I'm the gonna cops. I'm going to call the cops. Yes. <laughs> now, I hope this happens because I don't want him on my team tomorrow. I want him gone ASAP. <laughs> I just don't know if Bloom's going to admit that he made a mistake that early, you know, after two months of, of, of Renfro. And I know he doesn't make a lot of money, three and a half million dollars. But you saw tonight in the outfield, everyone was saying he plays a good outfield and he boots that ball in right field tonight. You know, he had that home run that you and me probably could have hit. It spun up there for about 10 seconds. So I hope he'd hit that. And, and it's just, 
I'm just, I don't like Renfro. I'm not a fan of him. 188 batting average on bases, 250. Um, he's just not a type of player that I like. Strikes out way too much for my liking, as we all know in the bottom of the order. That's all they do is strike out. So I'm, I don't think, I think he'll be on the Red Sox, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong because I really don't want him on the Red Sox anymore. And I would love to see him get traded. It doesn't matter for who. I, I want him off the team. But I just don't know if he's going to admit that mistake right away. So I feel like he's going to be on the Red Sox come June. I think it's actually legit because Cordero, even though Cordero's worse in my opinion, I mean, gun to my head, I, I would probably rather have Renfro in the lineup than Cordero at this point. But but Cordero at least has options. You can't really do a ton with with Renfro. And when you have depth guys like Kike and, and Marwin, that can play in the outfield, and you're probably going to be calling up Danny Santana within the next handful of days. Um, I just feel like he's kind of expendable, and they they could move him. But I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah. I really do. Because right now Santana's a better option. Duran would be a better option, in my opinion, at this point. There's other guys that would do a far better job than what Hunter Renfro is doing right now. Yeah. So I I hope you're right. Even a guy like Gyro uh, Munoz, if he could get healthy, is yeah. a very serviceable outfielder. I agree. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I hope so. <laughs> Number four on the list, the Yankees will DFA Gary Sanchez by June 1st. That's legit. I don't know why it hadn't happened on April 1st, May 1st, last year. He's terrible. And I don't understand why the Yankees didn't trade him a couple years ago when he, he was at his peak where they could have got quite a bit back for Sanchez. He's a horrible defensive catcher. His his on-base percentage isn't good. His slugging percentage is terrible. I, I don't think he's a good baseball player, to be honest with you. Um, And if he got DFA'd, I don't know what team would be crazy enough to even pick him up. I don't. I don't even think he's a big leaguer. I really don't. I don't like him. Um, so I do think the Yankees should, and they probably at some point will DFA him. Higashioka is a better catcher. He's a better offensive player. So he's not even the second best you know catcher on the roster right now. You know what I mean? Higashioka should be the starting catcher there. So I think that's legit. I agree with you. It's definitely uh, legit. You just look at just his batting average. In 2016, he gets basically called up as a rookie. Hits 299, just under 300. Hit a ton of home runs. Next year, just a a little worse than that, 278. That was 2017. Joe Girardi gets fired in 2017. In comes Aaron Boone. And then in 2018, Sanchez hits 186, 232 in 2019, 147 in 2020. I'll give him COVID, you know, that it was a weird year. The preparation was off. So fine, I'll I'll give him that. I'll give him that built-in excuse. But this year, he's not hitting much better than that, 190 after a month. And he doesn't work well with the catchers. He doesn't. And they had Davey Garcia called up last week sometime. And I'm thinking, oh, well, they're going to put Higashi Oken with him. They're not going to put Gary Sanchez in with this young kid and potentially ruin that start. Sanchez was in the lineup at catcher. So it's just absolutely crazy. And he was an easy non-tender candidate. There were better players than him that got non-tendered. You know, Blake Trinan, for for example. Yeah, and I I don't know. I'm guessing Cashman's just worried that he'll cut a guy and then he'll go be a superstar someplace else and then he'll look stupid. I mean, that has to be it. You can't be be like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't – well, I don't think Cashman's a very good GM either. So, you know, so maybe he does think that way and that he's wrong for thinking that way. But – I just I don't think he's a good baseball player. You know, we, you see Franchi Cordero, for example. I don't think he's a ba- good baseball player. There's just you just see on your TV screen they're not good baseball players, and Sanchez is just not a good player. Right. That's my opinion. But 
the interesting thing to me is they're worried about the luxury tax. They're trying to stay under it to reset the penalties. And Sanchez was an easy six or eight million off of it if they non-tendered him. But they give us, instead of getting rid of him, they could have kept Adam Ottavino for similar money yeah. and their bullpen would have been that much better. Us. Yeah. And they gave him to they us. Gave him. <laughs> it's like, what are they doing? And so I just, I don't understand why, why Sanchez was, was valued more than, than Ottavino was. So we'll see. I don't get it. But like when Hanley was here, we were all just waiting for that contract to end mercifully. And he was an adequate first baseman. He was starting to get a little bit more painful at the plate, but he was kind of that goofy guy off to the side. That was a little bit of a distraction. And, and the Red Sox, the Red Sox DFA'd him out of nowhere. And so I, I don't, I don't see why the Sanchez is the same in the same exact situation. I don't see why that's hard for the Yankees. Go get. I think Hanley Ramirez was a far better baseball player than Gary Sanchez was too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, Hanley had a bad last three weeks before he was cut. And I think that was part of the reasoning for it, but but he was still mashing at, at various points of that early 2018 season. But, but yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, for, for, for being a Sox fan, I hope he stays on the team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hope, I hope he's there forever. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if he ends up at the fill with the Phillies, um, Joe Girardi can straighten him out, you know, like those first Maybe. couple of seasons, <laughs> but but the Yankees could definitely let it ride with Higashioka and then go find a Sandy Leone type guy as a backup. Jonathan Lucroy can't stay on a team for some reason, and I think he's just so serviceable. The perfect backup. I agree with you. And yeah. you know, you only use him for probably what sixty starts a year, if even that. Yeah. 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 So so go get him and and you know, guys that can work better with your staff, but Okay. Yeah, him calling the team is brutal. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Here's a good one. Jaron Duran is your leadoff hitter in game one of the ALDS. Totally legit. <laughs> totally <laughs> legit. I can't wait for Duran to be called up. So, again, I like PK. A lot, but he's just not a leadoff hitter. If PK was your sixth or seventh hitter in the lineup, I would be totally okay and content with that. I'm just not content with him and his on base percentage under 300 being our leadoff guy. Um, it's just driving me crazy. He doesn't work the count every single time he's down 0 2. He fights off of a foul ball once in a while, then he strikes out or pops up, and it's just not a good at bat. And I just think enough's enough, and maybe it's a little soon for Duran, but by June or July, I think Duran should be up, and I think he should be your leadoff guy. Um, and he would provide a spark to the lineup. This this lineup needs a spark. You can't rely on Verdugo, Bogarts, Devers, and J.D. Martinez to bash all year. You have five other guys in a lineup that some of them need to produce once in a while. And I feel like if Duran's up there in the leadoff spot, then you can move Hernandez down, give you some professional at-bats in the 7, 8, 6 spot, wherever you want to hit him. And your lineup's automatically better. Um, but, yeah, I, I that's totally legit. And I'm excited to see Duran come up. I also will say that that's legit as well. Uh, and, and you make a good point with Kike because e- even if you take his career average, which is better than what his numbers are this year, he's a 240 hitter and roughly a 310 OBP guy. That's still even with those better numbers, that's not a top of the order guy. First, second. Doesn't scream lead off. No. Absolutely not. And so when if you can plug a guy like Duran in at the top of the order, then you knock Kike down to the bottom third. 
he's fine there. You'll take that. I mean, we yep. would we would take Kike Hernandez numbers right now from Franchi Cordero any day if Cordero Absolutely. could hit. Yeah. So I think that puts Hernandez back in, in you know, a, a more truer spot for him. I will say this, though. I don't think Duran will come up directly into the uh, top of the order. I think he'll he'll be in the bottom of the order somewhere because he's going to get either Cordero's at-bats or Renfro's at-bats. So he'll essentially take yeah, their spot. But you you've got plenty of time to build him up, and at that point yeah. we'll see how he handles the pressure and and big at bats. He's going to run into you know Garrett Cole at some point. How's he going to handle him? And there's going to be more fans at Fenway at some point. I know they're going to be increasing here in the next week or so uh, to twenty five percent capacity. But you know if it gets up to fifty percent capacity or two thirds. How is he going to handle a a hostile environment? If he's the type of guy who thrives on it, like a, an Alex Verdugo type guy, then, man, we could have a hell of a top-of-the-order guy. And for what it's worth, he hit just 236 in the Puerto Rican League, but in their playoff format, he went absolutely nuts and was the MVP of the championship round. So... Um, you know, if he's a big game player on, on a bigger scale, then that also speaks volumes. And I was telling a friend of mine today, he's like Jacoby Ellsbury, but with a lot of pop, a lot more pop. You know, yes. he's extremely fast and um, he, he could steal 20, 30 bags a year, maybe 40 for all we know, um, and, and kind of help a team win in a lot of ways that Ellsbury did. Um, so I think fans would go ape too. Like you were just saying the expanded uh, capacity of Fenway when he's up, they're gonna they're gonna go ape for Duran, and they're gonna be excited to see him because you know for two months we at that point maybe three months whatever it is at that point we've seen Franchi Cordero roam left field, and I think by June July if that experiment is still going on I would be very surprised. Yeah, I, I don't. I just I don't know how much longer the Franchi Cordero experiment can last. Like, it's painful watching him swing the bat. Absolutely painful. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about Chavis. He's essentially completely blown his chance, really. Uh, You know, he could come up if injuries. But next year, Casas is going to be up. And then if Dahlbeck's still here, he's you're going to plug him in somewhere. Devers somewhere. Duran will be in the outfield, so you you got Verdugo out there. So where do you plug Chavis in? And Cordero's going to have the same problem. And and he's far more limited than a guy like Chavis is because he can only go in the outfield. So um, it's it's tough to imagine. Like if he – if Franchi Cordero wants a future with the Boston Red Sox, he's got to figure it out. Soon. He's got to do it quick, Yeah. Yeah. Chavis, I think, I don't know if Chavis is going to come back up. I feel like they're going to keep him down there so they can maybe use him as a trade chip in the next couple months. I don't, because you're only hurting his value if you bring him up and if he's going to keep striking out the way he does. And I just think that's a guy that you want to keep down there as a trade chip. That's my opinion. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Because if he's tearing the cover off the ball in Worcester and you're always going to have that one team who says oh on our pit uh, on our hitting program he's going to he's going to just yep. absolutely you know rake but you know exactly so we'll, there's we'll going to be a team out there that'll want him i feel if you keep him down there and he produces down there i feel like there'll be a team that says well, you know what let's go get chavis and you might get a decent player back you know maybe a i don't know maybe a key bullpen piece down the road if you need to upgrade the bullpen which i don't think they will but if someone got hurt or something like that happened where you could, you know, use a guy in the pen, maybe you could get a guy like that. So, yeah. Absolutely. Would, yeah. Next on the list. Oh, this is a good one. This is this is the hardest one, in my opinion. Number six. The Red Sox will trade... Christian Arroyo at the trade deadline. 
Well, I'm going to say I hope they don't, but I'm also going to say I'll call the cops on that. Um, Bloom's traded for him twice now, I believe. I think Bloom really loves Arroyo. I don't think Bloom would trade Christian Arroyo. Right now, if it was up to me, he'd be our everyday second baseman in the leadoff spot. That's me. Um, he just puts on professional at bat. You know, he if he does struggle, he gets down 0-2-1-2. He always fights back. You know, I feel really confident with Arroyo at the plate. Um, and I hopefully down the road, he's an important piece. Like, he can play different positions, and Cora loves his versatile players. And I don't think Arroyo would be a guy that Bloom would trade. So I'm going to say I call the cops on that, and hopefully he doesn't move Arroyo. Because I'm an Arroyo guy. I like Christian Arroyo quite a bit. I picked Arroyo to be my my breakout player uh, for the year. Um, and I like him a lot as well. And I've been really impressed with his defense uh, in, in recent games as well. He's made a couple, really yeah. couple in this series. I'm going to lean toward it being legit, but my confidence level isn't, you know, soaring on that. I just feel like if Jeter Downs is ready to be called up, he's going to have to have at-bats every day. Maybe Arroyo slides into a bench roll and is fine with that. Alex Cora was in a similar position back in 2007. He was he was having arguably the best year of his career. He was hitting like 350 or something in in a short sample size, and they had to tell him. They said, "Alex, you know it's great that you're hitting like this, but we're just going to be honest with you. Dustin Pedroia is coming up soon, and he's our guy. Like that's the guy we have to go with." And Cora understood that, so it just kind of depends on. A how how Jeter Downs is is hitting, and and B is Arroyo okay with a bench spot? Maybe you go outside the box. Maybe maybe he becomes the solution at first base. You know because Dahlbeck, I I didn't see his final numbers after the game. He was hitting two oh five. Dahlbeck was in that last at bat, struck out. So he's either right around two hundred or just below it. But they're going to have to come up with a solution there. And they could put Marwin at first base three out of every four starts and, and let it ride that way. But but I just feel like if Downs is ready, you know, he's going to get called up. And if Arroyo is, is hitting well, if his offensive numbers are up, you're not necessarily just trading him to free up a spot. He could he could net you something. You could get something for Christian Arroyo. Yeah, you you really could. Like you said about Dahlbeck being the first baseman. I, I mean, if if Arroyo could play first base, I signed me up for that. Um, I don't dislike Dahlbeck. I'm just getting kind of. I guess I'm getting irritated and frustrated with Dahlbeck because there was a player in the game against Texas where. He could have made that play, and I don't remember what inning it was, but there was a play he could have made that play on the ground ball, and he. He, he went in the opposite direction. I don't know what Dahlbeck was doing. Because at first, I was like, that's a double play ball. And all of a sudden, Dahlbeck's, I don't know where Dahlbeck was. So I'm just getting frustrated with Dahlbeck. His at-bats don't look like professional bats at all. He, he, he looks like he belongs in the you know more time in the minors right now. I just don't think he's ready to be an everyday MLB player at this point. Um, but I don't dislike Dahlbeck. I just don't think he's ready right now. Yeah, he, but, just, he doesn't yeah. look confident at all. And nope. he, even when he's at... First base, and he's been okay as far as his defense. I know he's had some issues in recent games, but but he's been okay, and he still looks out of place. And hitting that home run and getting that monkey off his back didn't really seem to lift a ton of pressure. No, I really thought it, you could see some you know some homers in, in bunches. And it, last three games, he just looked terrible. And, and tonight too, just. That outside fastball, he can't even fight it off. You know, he, he just he, he just misses everything that's high and in, he just swings and misses all the time. If there's a fastball up, he's not hitting it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel like everyone now has the tape on Dahlbeck and you know how to get Dahlbeck out. And right now, I just don't think he's ready to be an everyday first baseman. I don't think he's an everyday player at this point right now. Yeah, he, he definitely needs to uh, get sent down. So, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. Let me, here's an outside the box scenario for you. I haven't okay. even mentioned this to the regular crew. Okay. 
what if Jeter Downs comes up and plays shortstop, and then Xander Bogarts becomes your first baseman? That's intriguing to me. Would you rather have Bogarts be your short, or I'm sorry, Bogarts be your first baseman and not move Devers the first and move Bogarts the third? You'd want Bogarts at, sh- at first? That's another interesting possibility, and we have had a number of Devers debates on on first base and potentially uh, DH at some point. Um, because it's my opinion, Devers isn't a long-term third baseman, whether it's a year or two from now. Um, but Xander's had some defensive lapses. Um, I think he, let's see, the, the first game of the Texas series, he booted a grounder. And I, I guess it did have a weird spin, but it, it's still a, a play that an average shortstop is still going to come up with. And right. It led to the inning being extended, and I forget how it shook out if there was a two-run home run, but two runs ended up scoring that inning. And yeah, two runs scored after that, yeah. Yeah. So, and I think Xander, he's got the height, and, you know, I think he's got the makeup to be a, a first baseman. So, it's intriguing, well, and I wouldn't be upset with that at all. Um, I, that wouldn't bother me. My dream scenario, I was talking about this a couple of days ago in the offseason, would be to move Bogarts to third base and then sign Trevor Story to play shortstop and then move Devers to first. That's my dream scenario for next year. I don't think that will happen. But those are scenarios that I've talked about. And because I like Bogarts, I really do. But I think at third base, he might be better than being there at short. And it's not a knock on him. It's just, I, at shortstop, he just he scares me a little bit. He'll, you know, some of these plays, he just, they're plays that he should make, and he just doesn't do it. And I don't know. I just feel like Bogarts might be better off at third because obviously Devers isn't your long-term solution at third base because I think he should be your first baseman down the road or DH, like you said. So that you got to have Bogarts play somewhere. And I thought third base all along for Bogarts was my preference. Yeah, I I think Hein Bloom is really hoping that Bogarts opts out. And I think that's the last thing Bogarts wants, really. I think the thought of playing for another team horrifies him. <laughs> so I agree with you. I don't think he wants to leave either. So that whole situation is just loaded with scenarios that could happen a number of ways. So um, the, the opt-out isn't until not this coming winter, but the following uh, winter. Yeah. So. We'll see how it shakes out. I'm I'm a Bogarts guy, and I I want him to spend his whole career here. Hopefully not till he's like 38 years old, like Derek Jeter. Right. But but you know that would really that would really upset me if Bogarts opts out. I really do like Bogarts. Um, that would it would bother me. You know, I don't know what would bother me more if uh, Devers end up getting traded because they can't get a deal done with him, or Bogarts opts out. That's a tough one. But for a guy like Bogarts who wants to be here. You could tell Mookie Best didn't want to be here. So, you know, whatever. Good riddance at that point. But Xander wants to be here. You got to do what you have to do to keep him. Yeah. And they could just, just they could add just maybe two or three years onto the deal at the same money, and maybe that gets it done. Yeah. I'd be more upset about the Devers situation, though, because I think ultimately he's the bigger impact. You know, it was, I agree with you. Yes. with Xander, you have the added leadership, which is important, but I just, there's just something. I think Devers is the better player. Devers De- is the better player. He's got big poppy to me written all over him in the postseason. His, his slash line in the postseason is a 311 batting average, 373 on base, and a 511 slugging. Those are elite yeah. postseason numbers for Devers in a short sample size, but the moment's never been too big. And if Casas is the replacement or whatever, there's no guarantees. You know, I'm optimistic Casas is going to be a stud, but there's no guarantees. And you know what you have in Devers. And to screw that exactly. up after, I'm still going to put the Mookie thing in the screw up category regardless. Um, right. The the Lester thing, oh, man, it'd just be so brutal. But the Lester thing is just, a, a, oh. I, you know, 
I don't know if there's enough time to talk about the Lester <laughs> yeah. thing. I'm still mad about the Lester thing. Yeah. I will always be angry about the Lester thing. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get over the John Lester situation, but it just seems like all our, you know, all these great players, the generation of Mookie, you can't get these guys extended. And it is, I don't get it. I, it, I don't understand it, but in 20, this is, this is the, the scenario that makes me sick to my stomach. Whether it happened at the trade deadline in 2014, or if it waited until the, that winter coming into the 2015 season, they could have signed John Lester for 110 and then traded for Cole Hamels, who had exactly $110 million left on his balance of his contract. So that would have been 220 for them both. And a year later, you paid 217 for David Price. You could have had makes no sense. You could have had Lester and Hamels for the price of David Price, and and the other one too. You could go back to is if we signed Max Scherzer instead of Wade Miley, we never have the David Price issue in two thousand in the offseason of two thousand seventeen. Yeah, you never have that issue. Yeah, because you have Scherzer. They wouldn't have signed Price. Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't have signed David Price. And you and you, you know, I'm a big Max Scherzer guy, so. That pained me knowing that we didn't want Max Scherzer because we had Wade Miley. You know, we were going to, Wade Miley was going to take us to the promised land. We didn't need Max Scherzer. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's all good. That's called <laughs> freestyling right. on the podcast. So we've got two more left. We probably won't spend a ton of time on these anyway. Um, number seven Alex Cora wins the American League. Manager of the Year Award. I'm going to say call the cops on that. Uh, I mean, I'm I was I was torn with this one because I think Alex Cora, in my opinion, is the best manager of the American League. I'm just not sold on. I, at the beginning of the season, I picked the Red Sox to win 84 games. I don't know if that's enough to get into the playoffs. I mean, I, I think they'll win more than that now, but I'm still not convinced this is the playoff team. I think there's a lot of holes in this team. You look at the lineup seven, eight, nine. Those are holes all over the place. The pitching staff is has been better than I thought. You know, if Chris Sale comes back healthy, you know, maybe we could really make a, a run. But if something tells me the Rays aren't going to be out of it. The Rays are always there. The Yankees have been playing better. The Blue Jays are getting healthy. So this division is going to be getting. It's going to get tighter. And so I just don't know if if the Red Sox miss the playoffs, they're not going to give Alex Cora the Manager of the Year award for missing the playoffs. That's a tough one for me, but I'm going to stay called the cops on that. And as much as I love Alex Cora, I don't know. I'm still a little worried about the remainder of the season and how many games we're actually going to win and if we're even going to make the playoffs. I I picked the Sox to win 78 games, so I, I was a little more pessimistic. And Tampa's in last place. I was surprised to see that. They're two games under 500. It's pretty tight, you know, amongst the whole division. Um but I still kind of think they're going to win it, the division. And I'm cautiously optimistic the Red Sox will uh, get one of the wild cards. But I'm going to call the cops as well on uh, Alex Cora. And I'm going to go in a slightly different direction, though. I just don't see how they could do it in light of the scandal. You know, every, everybody's, yeah, everybody's forgiven him, all the writers, and they're the ones who are going to be voting anyway. But yeah. I just don't I don't think they go there. And big market managers always have a knock against them. It, you know, they they love to yeah. give it to the Kevin Cashes and the Bob Melvins and and both of them are fantastic managers anyway. But I just don't see it going to a guy like Cora. Interestingly, I don't think they can give it to Francona either and he's got a much bigger mountain to climb than we do anyway, but um right. But the whole Mickey Calloway scandal and maybe Francona looked the other way. So there's optics there. I think Tony La Russa is going to be the darling of uh, all the managers. And he he, yeah. he really botched the uh, Giolito start there uh, a few nights ago. I don't know if you saw that late in the game. I did. 
didn't see that yet. Yeah, left him in way too long. I kept thinking, oh, well, he's going he's gonna to take him out after this batter, and then he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Just let him keep getting destroyed in the seventh inning. But but they are on a good run. They were like eight out of their last ten coming into, uh, I think, today. So um, I think a guy like him, a guy like Bob Melvin is another That's one. That's who I was going to say. Yeah, and Dusty Baker as well, really popular manager. So, uh, you know, the Astros got some pitching issues and the whole Javier thing, no one knows how that's going to play out. But or is If it the Javier? Athletics win the West. I, I got to mix up uh, the other pitcher there. Um, crap, he emerged late last year. forgot his name already. Don't worry about it. Javier's the new guy, but um, yeah. but yeah. So what were you saying about the managers? I, I was going to say if the Oakland Athletics win the West, I think Melvin wins the Manager of the Year. And yeah. at this point, I think the A's are going to win the West. Um, I, I thought coming in the offseason, the A's weren't very good. I thought they got a lot worse. And every year I say that, and every year they they make a fool out of me. They're they always they always they're always good. And so I'm done back I'm picking against the A's going forward i'm done i had the astros winning the west and um i don't love their pitching uh like you said they have a lot of issues there and something with the athletics they're just always good and bob melvin always gets the best out of them and so i think melvin's gonna win the manager of the year that would be my pick never gets enough credit and just just imagine what that guy could do on a big market team apparently the yankees pursued him before Aaron Boone like they were talking to Oakland and I think Melvin just stepped up and said well I I don't even want to leave or something like that and and it didn't happen but Jesus Christ give that guy a a juggernaut and uh, that's a that's a really intriguing uh situation so like a team like the Mets with the lineup and pitching they've got. Imagine Melvin in New York, what he could do with that team. Yeah. You know, it's like Melvin's a great – he doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about all these great managers and we're like, why is Bob Melvin not getting – why does he not get talked about? Because he, he's in the top three to five managers in the entire league, you know. so I would say as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I never understood the Jace Tingler move in San Diego. And – I love. No, I don't get that either. Yeah, I love Ron Washington. I know he's got some baggage, you know, some off the field issues, but yeah, I, I mean, he's got a very Francona like influence on on his players, and um, you know, he had that Texas team go to the World Series back to back, but um, but yeah, he was the runner up to Tingler, so I just it was kind of interesting. Yeah, he did a great job. In Texas. Yeah, yeah. Should have taken out Nelson Cruz, but uh, that's gonna. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go on Twitter tomorrow. I've been saving it, right, so I guess I'll do it tomorrow because it's the last game of the Texas series. But I'm gonna try to find a clip of that and be like, "Is this their Bill Buckner moment? Like, is did it have that type of an impact? Because they don't have the romantic curse that we had, so maybe it doesn't. But, but yeah, yeah I don't, I don't know if you can compare it, but still though, then and you know. It, in a way of Texas baseball, then yeah, that's gotta be, it's, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. I rooted for them brutal. both times. I mean, I, I know we've faced the Cardinals twice, but I've never really had anything against the Cardinals um, in, in the years that, that we weren't facing them. And who did they play the other time? It must've been San Fran. Yeah. So I, I rooted that. And that was the Cliff Lee year too. And I rooted for them as well. Yeah, the Cardinals are a team I've never had. I mean, how do you, I don't have any ill will toward the Cardinals. I mean, it's a great organization, great fan base. So it was a team I, I don't I have no ill will towards uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, but I also rooted for Texas as well. I think it was just to see something different because, you know, Texas has never been really good. So I wanted to see someone different win, but. Yeah, I just, I love the vibe, but they really won me over in the 2010 ALCS when, when Cliff Lee just kind of shut the Yankees down, I just thought that was great. And he was a yes. he was a trade deadline move as well. And how often do they ever work out that epically? You know what I mean? Um, I think everyone believed too. Cliff Lee was going to sign with the Yankees in the offseason that year too, and he went with the Phillies. And I was like, all right, I love Cliff Lee. <laughs> yeah, I apparently I thought he was. Gonna be- they were like spitting on his wife or something, and I th- yeah. I guess- he- 
caught wind of it. He goes, I'm not going there. <laughs> it rubbed him the wrong way. And a lot of people yeah. were surprised he didn't stay with Texas because he's from Arkansas. So yeah. it was close. But, yeah. But, yeah, anyway. More freestyling. Uh, somehow we get into Cliff, Cliff Lee on the manager of the year. But <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but I'm sure the audience is uh, liking it. We got one more. And again, because I'll forget, if you like this segment, give us some feedback and, uh, you know, we'll do some more. You know, we'll spread them out by three or four weeks, like I said. But um, but I, I like it. So final one. Curious to see where you'll go with this one. Um, this is my favorite one. And this oh, is the one is I'm it? most emphatic about. Oh, yeah, this okay. is the one I'm most all right, here we go. But this was my most emphatic one, so I'm excited to talk about this. Okay, so number eight, the Milwaukee Brewers trade for a starting pitcher and make it to the World Series. Totally legit. <laughs> totally legit. Totally. So at the beginning of the season, before you know, I made my predictions. I had the Brewers in the World Series. I had the Brewers and the White Sox in the World Series. Um, and this is before I saw Connor, you know, I saw Burns pitch and, uh, you know, this guy is all of a sudden a Cy Young candidate because he's great. And Woodruff, I believe that the Brewers will acquire a starter. And I think that's where Max Scherzer may end up going is the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, I love their lineup. If it's healthy, their lineup is unbelievable. Their bullpen is fantastic. And if you can get it like a guy like Max Scherzer with a Woodruff and a, and a, and a Peralta and a Burns, I mean, the Dodgers, and look at what they've been doing to the Dodgers over the last two nights. They beat them, or the last two nights, they beat the Dodgers, so they can contend with the Dodgers. And I, I'm sold on the Brewers. I'm all in on the Brewers, and I think they are going to go to the World Series. And I had it at the beginning of the year, and I'm sticking with it. Yeah. And they got that Lauer kid, too, who seems to shut the Dodgers down. He did it the other night. Yeah. Um, I, it's hard. This is a hard one. <laughs> I'm going to say it's legit as well. I really do. Um, you know, because they, they match up so well against the Dodgers anyway. They've had a lot of success. They got to Game 7 against them and nearly played us in the World Series had they won that Game 7. Yep. Um, and that it was so crazy how that whole postseason went down because they had to play like a Game 163 with the Cubs that year. Yeah, yeah, yes, they did. To to get in and they went from not even being a wild card to winning what, the division. <laughs> yeah, well maybe they would have had to have been a wild card. I can't remember, but yeah, they win the division and that gives them the one seed. It was just so insane. So the Dodgers yeah. had to play game seven in Milwaukee, but um but yeah. And I mean, Woodruff has been a, just kind of a, a rising steadily as a top of the rotation guy. He got hurt uh, a couple of years ago, and that kind of, um, you know, it kind of hurt them in the in the division race. And then, of course, Hater, you know, coughed up the the wild card situation, uh, and then the Nats went on this unbelievable run after winning that game. But um, but yeah, so Woodruff, kind of a rising star. Charlie Smith will not shut up about Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns. <laughs> and Love him. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. He's just been out of his mind. And uh, was that one point he had 40 strikeouts with no walks? Like, yeah. Yeah. Absurd. He and he finally just kind of got knocked around in his last start, but and he's, yeah. I think he's on the COVID IL. They said they couldn't disclose it. Yeah. yeah. But that's typically COVID when they don't disclose it. Um, but yeah, so you got, you got Burns, you got Woodruff, Peralta. I don't know if this is sustainable for him, but he is yeah. having a good year. And if you get a guy like Scherzer, Peralta's your number four anyway. And right. the only thing that gives me pause is Josh Hader in a big game. I just, he, he's, he's coughed up some, I, I've seen him just before that wild card game when he coughed it up, I forget who they were playing, but he came in in the, uh, in the eighth inning and, um, just, just kind of gave it up. And, and then again in the, in the wild card game. So, um, 
hopefully he's got that straightened out. He's having a phenomenal year too, uh, a sub one yeah. ERA. So um, I don't know if there's a better setup closer than Williams and Hader right now either. And that's oh, the one thing with the Dodgers I don't like is their bullpen. I don't like their bullpen. I think you can hit their pen. And um, the one thing with the Brewers that scares me is just if Yelich is hurt, they got to stay healthy. And if they do that, I don't think there's – I think they're the best team in the National League at the end of the year. I, I, everyone picked the Dodgers, rightfully so, but there's something about the Brewers. And I think Craig Council, if he's not the best manager in the league, he's in the top two or three. I was just going to go there, actually, because he's – very much like Melvin, just underappreciated. And uh, I mean, that whole postseason run, the way he manipulated that bullpen to to get them that far, because they only had, what, two starters? And it was just all openers yeah. and stuff, you know? And yeah. yeah. Did a phenomenal job. And he's another guy. Like, if they get done with Cora for some reason, I really think Cora is going to be here for a decade or so. Uh, but I have a sense too. Yeah. if for whatever reason he just stepped away or the Red Sox moved on, a, a guy like Council would be my number one pick. And, he would also be my number one too. And what if he goes to the – I'm convinced Aaron Boone's getting fired at the end of the year. And, I believe that as well. I, I think so as well. Yeah. And uh, well, If so, he goes to the Yankees, I'll be absolutely crushed. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I'll be devastated if he goes. I love Craig Council. That would that would probably be a blow. Yeah, Melvin already said no, and I, he made comments a week or so ago that he he loves his situation out there. So, um, yeah. So uh, targeting a guy like Council, I think, would make more sense for the Yankees. But, um, but yeah, I thought I had one more thought on the Brewers, but. Um, oh, you mentioned – oh, the Dodgers you mentioned with the bullpen. I, I like that observation. I know Jansen's pitching better, but how sustainable is that? Uh, Kelly, yeah. I think, has yet to pitch this year. Um, so who knows there? And he was always one of those streaky guys anyway with Boston. He got really hot in that playoff run we had. But So you got there. But the the one team that scares me that I just refuse to write off in the National League is the Braves, though. If they get back Soroka, I know he's got some shoulder inflammation. I think that's just because he hasn't been pitching, and I expect he'll be back in short order. That's a pretty nasty, you know, rotation there with you got Soroka, Ian Anderson, Max Fried, Charlie Morton's their number four for crying out loud. Yeah, no. so it, it is a really, it's a really solid team. Yeah, so that start hitting eventually too. Yeah, yeah. I think they're the biggest threat to the Dodgers, the Padres, and uh, the Brewers. But I love that Brewers team. They're probably my second favorite team. They're my favorite National League team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I went to Miller Park in, in 2018, and it was in the month of September. And it was actually, I think it was like late in the month of September. And the wild card race was tight and everything. And I I was at, uh, like, I think I've said this once or twice on the podcast. I'm, I'm a, I play cribbage at the national level, and there was, a, there, was, there was a huge tournament out there. It's the second biggest tournament of the year in that organization. So I was out there, and I was like, oh, well, if I'm out there, I'm going to a Brewers game. And they were home, and they were playing the Reds. And my friends all got tickets before me, so I couldn't get my ticket to be with them. So I just kind of picked some seats that I, I thought I would like, and um, the people around me were just really cool. I had way more fun hanging out with them than than my friends, and and you know we were talking scenarios, and I never would have imagined they would have been one game from playing us in, in the World Series. And I was yeah. I was hardcore pessimistic about the Red Sox anyway. I just. They just had a monkey. Yeah, they just had a monkey on their back, and I really thought the Yankees would beat us. And regardless, I I did feel bad about picking the Yankees, but the round after that, they were facing the Astros, and I thought from day one, I thought the Astros were going to win the World Series. So I said so too. I think I thought eighteen. I had the Astros win the World Series as well. Yeah, so, so I actually think the Astros would beat us too. So. I didn't feel Not bad about that pick at all. I, I I felt a little dirty about the Yankees one, but Sale had the 
the shoulder thing going on, and David Price wasn't going to win a playoff game against the Yankees, and he he lasted one <laughs> right. and two thirds of an inning, and I just I I just hated the way. And Mookie was always a no show and continued to be for yep. that series. So, um, but Sale the shoulder held up, and even though Price lost, uh, Cora seemed to know something about Severino. There he he right. was tipping his pitches and. Core knew what to look for, and um, the rest is history. Rock but <laughs> yeah, hit, hit for the s- cycle that same game. Absolutely, that was great. <laughs> I love Brock Holt. So his home run came off of uh, Andrew Romine or Austin Romine, the uh, yep. the catcher that was pitching in that eighth or ninth inning, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that was. Uh, Call the cops or totally legit. So hopefully the audience liked it. Short turnaround. We'll be back for the regular show tomorrow. Well, tonight by the time uh, you guys end up listening to this with Charlie and Jason to hopefully talk about a split in this uh, Rangers series. We're down two to one at the moment. Garrett Richards, not a sure thing. So um, if he pitched well against the Mets, he should pitch well against the Rangers, even though they were kind of gritty today. So who the hell knows? But we'll be this back. The Rangers to... lineup is sneaky good, actually. You know, you watch them. They're actually sneaky good. <laughs> they they lead the league in strikeouts, so you would think that we should have our way Weird. with them. Yeah. But Stolak has seven home runs. It's like, like what? Where did that come from? Yeah. So... Yeah. <laughs> And Gallo throws like a girl, apparently. It's it's like in the dirt, like 50 feet in front of him. You know, I just yep. – or in the grass, I should say. But, yeah. But we'll be we'll be back with you guys uh, tonight for your – and the show will be available for your Monday morning commute. So we'll uh, catch you then. Take care.